Well, welcome to week four in our series, The Mystery God. And if you're just joining us, um, we are exploring the Bible and what it has to say about God, the Holy Spirit, and who he is, what he does, and why God sent him to us. Today, if we're going, today we're going to see what the scripture has to say about you rising to your highest potential. Now, in your, if, in your worship folder, if you, you should have a listener's guide if you want to follow along. It might help us to remember some of this later in the week. Every one of us has been given natural and supernatural gifts. Now, when I say us, I'm speaking now to believers in Jesus Christ. Okay? See, our natural gifts are imparted to us upon our physical birth. A lot of us, you know, there's another interchangeable word, we'll say talents. Yeah, everybody has a certain amount of talents. Some have different talents than others. We all share a lot of the same abilities. But we're talking about gifts here this morning. And our supernatural gifts are imparted to us upon our spiritual birth. These gifts, sadly enough, might lie dormant in our lives for a long period of time, even for some folks, all of their life. And both types of these gifts require that we we work to develop them. Now, there are some folks that just seem to get along pretty well in their lives using only their natural abilities. Or at least they think they're doing pretty well. But here's the truth. No person using his or her natural abilities only can arrive at the fullness of what God has planned for him or her. Nobody. You cannot do it without him. And so maybe you say, well, why do you make that statement? Well, here, here's why. Because God created us with the capacity for spiritual abilities. We are created in his likeness. We have a physical body. We have an emotional uh, personage. And we have a spiritual personage. So there's three parts to us. Because God has created us with the capacity for spiritual abilities. Now listen, unless you and I are using both our natural and our spiritual abilities to their maximum potential, we're falling short of what God has in mind for us. I think so often we get comfortable enough that we just kind of like status quo. I'm pretty happy, so I'm going to sit right here. And that's not what God has in mind for us. And once you get a little taste of walking and talking with the Holy Spirit, he can do some mighty and awesome things through you and through your spirit. I want to talk about that this morning. Now, I'm going to ask this question again. I'm going to keep asking it to more than one or two of you answers me. What is our purpose as believers? Okay. Bring glory to God? Absolutely. There it is. His will is that we know him. Everybody has the same will. God wants everybody to know him. That's his will. So if you're seeking his will for your life, he wants you to know him. And his, our purpose is then to bring him glory through that, uh, that uh, relationship. So let's talk about the potential that lies within you. So often... I just want to make sure we understand this potential that lies within you is because the Holy Spirit is within you, okay? Let's, let's make sure that we're clear on that. This is not a talent show. 
God gives every person potential. And God alone knows the extent of what that potential is. None of us knows all that we can become or do with the built-in natural and spiritual abilities that God imparts to us. And the question that we must ask this morning is not, how much potential do I have? But rather, am I living in the fullness of my potential? And to the answer, I'll answer that for you. No. None of us are living in the fullness of the potential that we have through the power of the Holy Spirit. Each one of us can still become more and do more than we are at the present. We never reach the limits of what we can do in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. I can do all things. That's because there's nothing too hard for God. Well, how can that be? Well, because an unlimited God has chosen to dwell in your heart. That was just make sure you're awake. God, first of all, is he's omnipotent. What does that mean? Well, the way I remembered it when I was going through seminary, he's all potent. And potent means power. He has all power. You know, when we run on our natural strength and power, we are only at the very beginning of his power. And he's also omniscient. And the way I remember that is he knows all science. He knows everything. He has all wisdom. This is the God that's living in you. Stay with me. God is also omnipresent. That means he's Everywhere, he's both eternal and ever-present in every moment. God has always and always uh, will live outside of time. Time, he created for us. It says so in in Genesis. It says that he created the days and the nights and the seasons. Those are created for us. God is not in time with us. Oh, he knows where we're at. But he's not restricted to time because he's Everywhere, he knows everything, and he has all power. And he lives in you. If you're a believer, I'm not going to let this go till, we get, till he gets a hold of us. See, we, when all is said and done in any given day or at the end of our lives, we will have yet to experience a nanosecond of God's eternity. And when we become frustrated in our inability to be in two places at once or to be able to give our full attention and time to our pursuits, we're only beginning to be involved with God's ability to be present with us. I don't know how, but I take it on faith and I can feel him in my life. I can see his results in my life. That's why he says, I will never leave you, Lucy. I will never leave you, Angel. I will never leave you, Sally. I will never leave you or forsake you. All of us. See, we can only be one place at a time. And sometimes I'm not fully there. But he's fully everywhere. Amen? See, and so he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And God is all loving. He is all 
loving. He never fails to extend his mercy and loving kindness to all who will open their hearts to receive him. He wants no one to perish. He wants all to come to redemption. And as much as we try to show forgiveness and mercy and kindness to others, we are only at the beginning of God's infinite love and mercy and grace. Amen? Now, I can say this with certainty, that those who are truly filled with God's Spirit, they want to pursue their potential, to expand their capacity to help others, and to improve the quality of their impact on others. So in other words, those who are truly filled with the Spirit of God want to do more, serve more, and care more for others. Amen? Now, why do I make this claim? Well, because God, our creator, displayed all those qualities both in his creation of us and his promises for us. See, God is always available. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's up 24-7. He doesn't grow weary. He, he, he is always available to those who call on him. He never wastes anything. You say, I, I don't know why I'm going through what I am. Trust me, God's going to do something good with it. Because he never wastes anything. He uses everything that's given to him and multiplies it for his purpose and for our blessing. How many of you, how many of you can say, I have experienced that? Yes. Yes, maybe at the beginning going, Lord, this is a little shaky. I'm a little nervous here. But you said you'd never leave me. You said you work all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And boom, something beautiful comes out of it. My sister Phyllis has shared something beautiful with me. You know, Bobby, Bobby went to heaven and she's glad for Bobby. But she said she has been closer to God and God is revealing things to her now more than ever because it's just to fill us in God. He never wastes anything. God is always on time. I I like to be on time. In fact, I like to be just a little early. (laughs) Speaking of being early, George and and Janet were here early a lot. I came one Sunday morning like 7.15 and they were here. It's like, man, let's get started. But God's always on time. He's never too early and he's never too late. Sometimes we think he's missed. Jerry and I used to sing a song, God Will Provide a Way. There was one place in his song that says, it may be at the very last moment when your faith is all that's pulling you through, but God will provide a way. Or he's not God. And God never gives partial attention or partial concern to a matter. I remember when Bud was growing up and we first discovered that he had a hearing impairment. Red lips really well. But when even after he got his hearing aids, he really had to adjust because he always wanted to see you talk. Even though he could hear you. And he'd say, Dad, Dad, Dad. <laughs> and he'd get my attention. And he he knew that I would have his attention. And then we could relate. And I really believe that God does that. He doesn't go, what did you you say, Janetta? I'm sorry, I was busy. He gives us his full 
attention. He gives his, his all, his utmost, his highest, his full attention, and his full compassion. Each and every time. Every one of us. How does he do that? Through the power of his spirit that lives within us. Wow, what a personal God. And then God is always creating good. He does all things with excellence and for maximum benefit. God is not wasting time, even though we think we're waiting on him. God is truly the best multitasker ever. And by the way, he is the one and only know-it-all. I was thinking about that this week as I was just going over his qualities and his qualifications and his characteristics. I'm just overwhelmed. You know, if every believer in America lived in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, one could only imagine what might happen to our economy and our country. Did you know that if every believer in America went to work each morning full of the Spirit of God with a desire to do their best, the quality of work and the productivity of the workplace would grow immensely. That's called being the salt and the light of the world. If every believer in America gave their all with the right motivation and a full dependence upon God, attitudes would certainly be better and morale would begin to improve as a country. Don't think we can't have an effect on those around us. If every believer in America got up each day with an attitude of expressing love of God to their family and to their friends, as well as to every stranger that crossed their path, we would no longer see the manifestations that we see on TV every day and the news of hatred and anger and distrust. It is the church's fault that we're in the shape we're in in America. Hear me well. We have been silent too long. We cannot be silent anymore. The power of God is in us. If he's for us, who can be against us? But we keep buying into this political correctness. Don't want to offend anybody. Well, I can tell you this. The word of God offended me enough to bring change into my life. See, God the Holy Spirit energizes our bodies, He enlightens our minds, and He inflames a passion in our hearts so that we can move forward and expand our potential. He doesn't want us to just sit. He wants us to grow. Look at the change that happened in His disciples' lives in Acts after they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and they, began to, they began to do some mighty miracles. And they shared the gospel. They were bold. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, I believe that he can do all of these things. But often, I got to tell you, I just don't feel it. I'm glad you said that. Because the Holy Spirit can also motivate us. Oh, don't you know, God knows we need all this. Uh, we need a passion, but we need to care enough to ask for the passion. And so if we'll ask the Holy Spirit... Give me your motivation. Help me to care about lost people. He will do that. I want to talk about three great areas of potential in our lives. These are three areas of potential. That these are especially important to God. And God desires that all of us pursue these. The first one is the full potential of your love. 
your love. See, our love, our normal everyday love is so dependent on how we're treated. It's circumstantial love. It's not godly love, but God's love is available to us. None of us loves others as we know we should or even as we want to love them. We all say things that we know later on we shouldn't have said. And once it's out, it's out. Especially on Facebook, it doesn't ever seem to go away. And we all willfully choose, come on now, we all willfully choose to please ourselves often at the expense of someone else. I was going to ask, have you seen me drive on 27? That's probably where it's demonstrated every day. It's all about me. I'm not saying the mindset. It's all about me on US 27. That's why when you're going 65, you better be in the slow lane. You see, we choose to do things that please ourselves. And we often make poor choices when it comes to giving our time and our attention to those that are nearest and dearest to us. We get distracted with things. But it is the Holy Spirit that continually prompts us to find new ways of reaching out to others with this genuine compassion and godly love. It's Him. It's Him. He does it. He's willing. He's ready. He's able. John the Apostle wrote this in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love, I love him. He's very matter of fact. Anyone who does not love does not know God. You may know about God, but you don't know God because God is love. And now he lives in you, so we should be a lot more lovable than we are sometimes. Amen? You know, it is the Holy Spirit that constantly encourages us to move beyond ourselves, our own self-centered ways and desires to help us help others and maybe in material and practical ways. It's not always the spiritual need. Sometimes people are hungry. Sometimes they're lonesome. Sometimes they just want someone to listen. But I'm busy. The Holy Spirit, if you ask him, will help you get a good attitude. Amen? Don't don't you know, I've got to constantly do that. Father, help me to care. Because sometimes I care more than others. But he wants us to care always. And we can. It is the Holy Spirit who urges us to love other people like Jesus loved them. How did Jesus love them? He loved them without condemning them because of their lifestyle or their quirkiness. Praise his holy name. He took me in in spite of who I am. And he's still working with me. It is the Holy Spirit that prompts us to encourage and exhort others so that the body of Christ can be built up and we can mature together. We want to bring everybody along. So I ask you, do you want to love God and love others more with a pure heart and with greater compassion and generosity? Don't answer that out loud. Just think about it. Do I really want this? Because it is the Holy Spirit that will enable you and I to reach the potential 
in this area, our full potential in this area, and that is to love, the full potential of our love. And so if you want this, if you really want this, you don't have to work at it. All we have to do is invite him to do it in us. It's that simple. But boy, don't we want to make it hard. Well, I got to stop doing this and I got to start doing this. I'll tell you what we need to stop doing. Stop following your own direction and start listening to him. And he will guide us to the truth each and every time. And he'll bring joy in our lives. Unbelievable joy and purpose. The full potential of your love. Second, the full potential of your obedience. Oh boy, here we go. You've gone to meddling, Pastor. No, I'm just going to share the word of God. Because, boy, it's speaking to me. See, in our own strength, none of us obeys God perfectly. Amen? Amen. Anybody here got it down? Come on up here and let's get right with God. All right. Even when we desire to do God's will, we still make errors in timing. I really struggle with this because I'm always in a hurry. In judgment in choices, and even decisions. And we all fall short in our efforts and behavior. How many of you have ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Pretty famous writer. In fact, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was tried and proven. I want to share, I want to share how he dealt with the same dilemma that we're talking about, our obedience. If you, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to this passage. It's Romans chapter 7. When we look at verses 15 through 25, you've heard this before, but I I just, well, maybe you haven't, but I want to go through this because this is Paul the Apostle. And he's sharing this with us in a way that we can really understand why the battle. Romans 7, 15, for I do not understand my own action. Okay, well, that's the way he starts his passage. That tells me Paul's confused. He's confused. He's frustrated. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Any takers? Yeah, I see those hands. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. The law is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in within me. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, the Bible tells us that when we accept Christ, old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Anybody ever struggle with that? Why do I keep sinning? Am I not new? Yes. Stay with me. This is exciting. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do the good that I want, but not the ability to carry it out. Amen? Man, I want to do what's well, but I don't. It's because I can't do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want... It is no longer I who do it, he's reiterating, but sin that dwells within me. 
Okay, I want to stop here just for a moment. When we get redeemed, when we ask Christ to come into our life, <laughs> and I, there's a, I got a list, this little comic. It's a, an illustration of what happens to us. When, when Christ comes into my life and I invite him into my heart, if I'm 40 pounds overweight, I'm still going to be 40 pounds overweight. Do I make my point? He doesn't change your physical body. That's what he's referring to as the flesh. So if I was a fat sinner, I'm going to be a fat Christian unless I do something about it. See, we, we expect, listen, this is where legalism comes from. Well, you accepted Jesus. How come you're not different? How come you, everything about you hasn't changed? Give God some time. Actually, he can do it all in a day if we'll let him. So what happens upon redemption is he redeems our spirit. Our spirit comes alive in Christ. Okay? And that spirit works through our emotions to control our flesh. Because the flesh hasn't changed one iota. Anybody in here? Who's, who's, who's a believer? Raise your hand. I want you to be proud. Get them up high. Now, we're going to be Pentecostal before the sermon series is over. Okay. So, <laughs> let me ask you this. Jesus Christ has come into your life. Are you still selfish at times? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some days I feel the whole world rotates around me and then somebody clues me in. It's not about you, Paul. See, so he redeems our spirit, but our flesh still wants to do what our flesh has always wanted. It's all about me. And what happens, that's where the battle, that's what Paul's describing here. He said, it's, and the first time, I, first few times I read this as a new Christian, I'm going, Paul, that's a cop-out. It's not you. It's a sin that still dwells in your flesh. And I'm going, it's you. No, it's a sin that still dwells in my flesh. It's no longer in my spirit. My spirit's redeemed. Jesus Christ took my sin, delivered me from the penalty, the eternal penalty of sin, and gave me his righteousness. It's in here. The Holy Spirit is in here. The flesh is, is up for grabs. But I'll tell you what, the flesh will dominate the spirit if we don't feed the spirit. But the spirit will dominate the flesh if we feed and listen to the spirit of God. And, and the more we listen to him, the sweeter he sounds. In fact, after 44 years of marriage, sometimes Jerry can convince me to change my mind without a single word. Just get the look. Yeah, yeah. And as we walk with him, we just know what he wants us to do. And we talk with him and he encourages us. What a way to live. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 21. So I find it to be a law. That when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. The tempter knows where you are every day, every hour of every day. So I find it to be a law that when I want to be right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. 
But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Paul says, we renew our minds by the word of God. Here's Paul the apostle. I can, boy, I can hear it. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God. I myself, the redeemed, serve the law of God in my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of Satan. So we got to know why the battle continues. But now we know how to fight it. Can you hear Paul's almost desperation in his verses? But just like Paul, we fall short in our efforts and behavior. The Holy Spirit helps us to obey quickly and fully. I think as we resist the Holy Spirit, it gets easier. It's kind of like the longer I sit on the couch, the easier it is to stay on the couch. Oh, I can watch these athletes on TV. But you know, the less we do, the less we want to do. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the very desire to obey God. So that's always the place to start. If I don't have the desire, then that's my first request. Holy Spirit, work within my heart. Give me the desire. Satan may have stolen it from me, got me preoccupied, got me uh, uh, distracted, got me living in the flesh. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into the right paths. And you know what? The right paths are often very narrow. You can call me narrow-minded every day of the week, and I'm okay with it. Because narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many, there will be that find it. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into right paths so that we will obey God both in the big issues of life and our moment-to-moment daily decisions as well. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of having to say, God, forgive me for the same stupid sin over and over and over. Because what's not happening when I'm attracted or distracted with that is I'm not sharing my, uh, my salvation experience with others. And I'm not listening and I'm not rising to my potential keep getting bounced back. So, I ask you, do you want to obey God more completely and quickly with fewer arguments and justifications and or excuses? You know, when we start to, to uh, rationalize, boy, that can take us some places we don't need to go. If you do want to obey God more completely, it is the Holy Spirit within you that enables you to reach your full potential in this area. Just ask him. Ask him. Help me with this. Help me with my obedience. Obviously, I am struggling and I cannot do this. You and I are no, we're not worthy opponents against Satan himself. 
He will beat you up and beat me up all day long. But if we'll walk in the spirit, then Paul says we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's a third area of potential. We've got the potential of your love, the potential of your obedience. And this third potential is your devotion. None of us is as devoted or steadfast in our walk with the Lord as we would like to be. We can say that every time we come to church. We can say that every morning. Well, I'd like to walk with you, Lord. It's kind of like saying, well, I'd like to get in shape, but I'm not going to the gym. Well, then you don't really want to be in shape. See, we're quick to do our own thing. You know, from sleeping in on Sunday morning or willfully choosing to participate in an activity that we know is contrary to God's best for us. Listen, The church has been so busy trying to mix God with everything else that they've lost track of God. Because he will not be number two, three, or four. He will be number one. Only. So if you want God to be number one in your life, we got to quit dabbling in all these other things that are not pleasing to him. And if you want to know what's right or wrong, I'm getting loud, can I? All right. Um, (laughs) If if you want to know what's right or wrong, whatever it is, Maybe your little thing here, you kind of question, this is kind of a gray area for me. Would Jesus do this with me? Can I picture Jesus sitting here next to me, drinking at the bar, or watching R-rated movies? Eh, The answer gets real clear, real fast. In fact, last Sunday night, we were talking in our young adults. I think the vast majority of the time, it's not that we don't know what we're supposed to do, it's that we got an attitude problem. And you know what? He'll help us with that too. You got to get your mind right, Luke. Got to get your mind right. Yeah. See, we all know that we should praise and thank God more, pray more, read the Bible more, and be more involved in the life of our church. But it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the very desire to spend more time with God. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us a new song of praise to the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that prays for us when we don't even know how to express ourselves. We just know we're hurting or we're unsure. Listen to this wonderful verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's why he's in our life. And there's times that I can't express, but God, just listen to my heart. Listen to your spirit within me. Express how I feel. Express my pain. Express my anxiety. My hurt. Express my praise. I'm not a real good man with words, but I love to read David's psalms of praise. I go, yeah, what he said. So do do you have the desire today to follow God more closely and steadfastly and experience greater intimacy in your life with him? Well, if you do, it is the Holy Spirit that will enable you and I to reach our full potential in this area, but we've got to ask him. The real key to reaching your potential lies in trusting God to help you become your best. 
I'm willing to trust my eternal life with you, God, but I want to manage my today. Isn't that, doesn't that, that sounds silly, but it's what we do. I can handle this, Lord. He said, without me, you can do nothing. When we unplug from him, we begin to die. I still have a couple branches hanging from my trees that got, they got broken off, but they're hanging on by a thread. And you can tell you know, from, the, from the storm, and they're up too high. I'm not going after them. They'll come, but they're dead because they've been broken off from the source of life. They're just hanging on. See, the real key to reaching our potential lies in trusting God, and we do this actively, listen, actively and verbally placing our trust in God. A lot of times I have to repeat things, not because God didn't catch them the first time. It's because I needed to sink in. See, we need to pray, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you to help me become and do all that God has created for me to do and be. I need you. Let him know that. That's an invitation for him to work in your life. Holy Spirit, I need you to work in me in such a way that I will want, I will want to accomplish and be able to accomplish those things that you purposed for me. God has works for you to do that he created before he ever created heaven and earth. That's how long he's known you. It's not works to receive redemption. It's works because he has redeemed you and gifted you. And he has the power of the Holy Spirit living in your life. and You have access to it. So he has created good works for us to do. So in closing, I've listed four questions. I think these are great questions. To ask God every day. Here's the practicality of this sermon. Question number one. What do you want me to do, Father? Before I even get out of bed and I can get myself in trouble. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I think the main reason we don't ask that is we don't want to know. He might want us to do something we don't want to do. What do you want me to do? See, God desires to reveal to you the next step that you can take in, in, in increasing your potential. He wants you to know. He wants us to know. And God certainly knows everything, so he knows what the next step is. He knows everything that's ever going to happen to you. Every second of every day, he knows what's going what's to happen. And he's got a plan for you. So if you and I were to get up and start our day But this question, what do you want me to do today? Listen, I'm not saying you've got to stand still till you hear the answer, but open. Because the Holy Spirit's with you. you, Hopefully you're not heading off to work and leaving him at home. You can't do that, by the way. Okay, so what do you want me to do? Second question, how do you want me to act? See, God has a plan, always has a plan, has always had a plan, and a method for everything he desires to accomplish on this earth. We can read through thousands of pages in the Old Testament. It's all part of God's plan and method to bring about redemption. I was talking to one of my friends, and he said, uh, I'm reading through the Old Testament, and he said, I'm up to 1st or 2nd Samuel. I said, so you've been through... Leviticus, huh? 
He says, yeah, and I don't understand most of it. Well, I can tell you this. One big thing about the Old Testament, it really made the New Testament necessary. And what happened? And it, Jesus Christ says, he, I didn't come to replace this. I came to fulfill it because this wasn't working. A lot of religion, a lot of ritual. And it's there to help us understand that Jesus Christ is the answer. We don't have to go through any other priest anymore. And by the way, when sin is forgiven, it's forgiven and forgotten. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to act? Number three, when do you want me to act? This is one I really got a big problem with. Because <clears throat> you can hear this. You know, okay, I, gotta, I know what you want me to do today. Okay. But do you know when? <laughs> Say, Holy Spirit, I'm not sure when. Maybe it's not yet. Will you let me know when? So I don't speak out of turn. So I speak through your power. See, we often fail because we want to get ahead of God or we lag behind him. By listening carefully to the Holy Spirit, you will know exactly when is the right time to act. You just know it. And number four, how can I best represent you today? How can I best represent you today? See, the Holy Spirit desires to influence others. And not only through what you do or say, but also through your presence. He's in you. The the Almighty God's Spirit is in you, okay? And ask the Holy Spirit to give you the joy and the peace and the forgiving spirit that bears witness to Christ Jesus being in your life. Listen, we may have to go through a tune-up here before we can be effective to anybody else. But I can tell you this, the Coast Guard trained us to do that. Before you went out and rescued anybody, you trained to make sure you were qualified and you took care of your crew. Because if you messed your crew up, then you can't help anybody else. So I think a lot of this, God's wanting us to do this daily homework, to begin to listen to him, to begin to ask. But this is so cool. This is so cool. You ever met somebody that you just knew was a believer before they even said anything to you? Anybody? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, you can, you can just, I don't know, the, the, the Spirit of God, the love of God just kind of exudes from them. Listen to this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. I love this. Now, when they, who's they? Well, this is the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Here's the part I like. And they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. Whew. Wouldn't that be something? If you just walked into a room and people could recognize that you've been with Jesus. This is, Peter's the guy that <coughs> denied his Savior three times. But when God got a hold of him and got, filled him with his spirit, man, Peter preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. It, Acts records that as Peter would walk down the road, his shadow would bring healing to people's lives. Because Jesus told him, I've done great things, but you're going to do greater things. Because see, Jesus could only be in one place at a time, but his Holy Spirit can be everywhere. An important note I want this to to really stick with you. 
when we ask these questions, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to act? When do you want me to act? There's something very, very important we must do. Stop and listen. How many of you have ever had a, uh, your child come up and ask you for your opinion and then walk away and ignore it? Anybody? It's common amongst the species. I've had people at work do that. Adults. Well, how do you think we ought to do this? Well, I, I, since you asked, I think we should do this, this, and this. Oh, never mind. See, don't we... Come on now. Let's be honest. I think one of our biggest problems with not knowing what God wants us to say or do or when is because when we ask Him these questions, we get up and off we go and we don't take time to be still and listen to Him. See, that's, to me, the most important part of prayer. Is what, what does he have to say? It's not what I have to say. What does he have to say? Stop and listen quietly. What's going to take time? Hello, he's God, and he needs to be number one. We don't need to fit him in our schedule. Listen, you try to fit him in your schedule, he may change your schedule. Did it for a guy named Jonah. When you know God's answers, and only when you know God's answers, begin to act. This is a principle in Scripture. You say, uh, I've asked God, but I'm still not sure. Well, then wait and seek Him some more. He may just want you to seek Him some more. Stay sensitive to the Spirit all day. And this is a challenge. We can, I know many of you are. Listening and walking in His Spirit. I want, God wants all of us to be sensitive to the Spirit. You know why? Because that's the number one way to build unity in a church. Is we're all listening to the same Spirit. He won't tell you to do this and tell me to do something different. There's a couple of possibilities there. Either you're wrong and I'm right or I'm wrong and you're right or we're both wrong. Because unity comes from the Holy Spirit and He doesn't guess. So we need to keep asking, is this what you want me to do? Am I doing this in a way that is pleasing to you? Am I on your schedule, Lord? Am I reflecting you in a way that will bring you glory and honor? See, if we stay sensitive and listen for his guidance, he will reward us with meaningful purpose and lives filled with wonder. It only, it only takes one or two times for you to be used by God and for you to realize as you go, I, I want to do this some more. Do every job, every job, listen, every job that you and I are given to do, we need to do it exclusively as if we were doing it for the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. It might be cooking a meal, setting corporate policy, cleaning a house, making a judgment, responding to a skin knee of a child, answering a phone call, purchasing an object, making a contribution, mowing a lawn, fixing picnic tables, painting sidewalks, or building a house. Everything that we do, do it as unto the Lord. I'll never forget this one-on-one confrontation I had in the restrooms of North Park Baptist Church in Connecticut. 
was a small church and we couldn't afford to have someone do our custodial work. So our families took turns and I've shared this with you, but you know, and so it was our weekend to clean the church. And uh, my wife got this in her head that I was better and more qualified to clean the bathrooms than she. And certainly better than the boys. So off into the bathrooms I go. Now listen, here's the little squabble I had. (sighs) What am I doing in here cleaning bathrooms? I'm a senior chief in the Coast Guard. I'm in charge of the largest aids to navigation team in the world. Hello. And I'm cleaning the bathrooms. And in the still of that bathroom, here's what I heard. These are my bathrooms. These are the king's bathrooms. I begin to cry and say, God, forgive me. Do whatever we do as under the king because it is for him and he will use it and he'll build character out of you too, by the way. And then bathrooms were clean when I got done that day. Name any activity you care to name, no matter how great or small. And I'll show you a job you can do as under the Lord. And then just trust God to use you for he surely will. He surely will. That's what he wants. He wants that even more than we do. So I ask you in closing, what's your full potential? I believe we have yet to see what our full potential is. But God knows. And he's waiting. He's waiting to use it in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, there's been many things in our lives that have beaten us down and sometimes even convinced us that we're not a worthwhile cause or we can't, we can't do something big or that we're really not that important. And, and after a while, when we hear this enough, Father, it, it just becomes our mindset that I'm just a loser or I'm, I'm never going to amount to anything. But Father, would you please, through the power of your spirit, for all who have their, your spirit in them this morning, would you please help us to understand our value in you, our value because of you, our value in you, and what you want to do in and through us, and the joy you want to give us, the purpose you want to give us. So you bought us with a price, your life, Jesus Christ. You bought us. We're yours. And this old stuff that hangs on with the flesh, these old, and, and some of it's with our emotions, Lord. Some of it's with our, our emotions. And we just, we just, we get up a little bit and then, boy, we just buy into this and we get down again. God, would you help us to break free from this? But I believe this week, Lord, as, as I've been studying and, and you've been working in my life, Lord, we got to break free from these things that keep bringing these failures back into our lives. See, if I keep doing the same thing I've always done, I'm going to get the same results. And the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're trying to renew us. You're trying to show us that we're new creatures in Christ, but we're still battling and we're wallowing with this fleshly desire because we keep entertaining the flesh. Father, I pray that today and in the days ahead that we will become determined as a people that it's going to be God first and God only. 
work amongst us, Father, please, as only you can. Holy Spirit, whatever it is you want us to do, maybe there's some here this morning that have never accepted you and, and you're calling. You, they can f- sense that you're calling them to accept Christ. Well, Lord, we want to make that happen right now. So if you're here in this room and you've sensed that, you know, this, I, I don't have the Holy Spirit in my life because I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior. And, and I want him to come into my life. I need help then just pray and say, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm lost and I need you, Jesus. I accept you today as my Savior. What you did when you died on the cross and you shed your blood to pay, I want that to pay for my sins. I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I want to be part of the family and I want your spirit to be in my life. Just ask him. He'll come in. Maybe you're here this morning and and you've accepted Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. You say, what's so important about that? I'll tell you what's important about it. It's your first act of obedience. So if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus and you're going to listen to his spirit, and if he's in your life, he wants you to get baptized because it's your testimony and it's your act of obedience. So if that's what God's speaking to you about, then let's make a move on it. Let me know. Maybe God's calling you into serving a ministry here and you go, I'm scared. It's okay. He's with you. None of us are worth anything without him. Join the crowd. Just say, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. In the quietness of this moment, if there's a decision that you need to make or you want to make it and you want to make it right now and you want to share it with me, I'm just going to ask you to get it right up out of your chair and come on down here. Let me pray with you. It doesn't matter whether it's about salvation, about following a believer's baptism, about maybe joining the church and plugging in, about using the gifts that he's given you. If you're, if you're born again believer, you are gifted. We're going to talk about this next week. And maybe you've been sitting on that gift and God's speaking to you this morning. Listen, If you hear him, listen to him. He knows what's best for you and me. Anyone at all would want to come and pray. Father, as your son Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your spirit as a deposit until the day of redemption. May we learn to follow him to the fullest and find great joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.